Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. She is suddenly just relaxed, so we may get some relaxed voices from her. You can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have a great chat room, so Ravinder, tell us all about it. I don't know about a relaxed voice. We had a few technical issues as we were coming into the show, so I'm running around like a headless chicken, I think. Um, but all is well now, and we are in the chat room. We're up, and we have some people in there already, so do come join us uh, for some great conversations, some unique insights, um, and just some fun too. So that is provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. All right, and this week's Spotlight, I wish to discuss divine intervention. We can be very interesting creatures at times, us homo sapiens sapiens. We hear of the church choir that did not show up for rehearsal the night the church was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. We listen intently as we learn that of the eight people who never missed a practice in years, all eight, for different pressing reasons unknown to each other, failed to be inside that burning church where they most certainly would have perished if they had attended the scheduled practice like always. It was a miracle. God intervened and kept the faithful home, we easily conclude. Why not? What other explanation is there? Later, we hear of a woman killed and five others injured after a large tree falls on a wedding party. The arborist is lost for a reason why the tree fell. It was a healthy tree. Why it fell is a mystery. What do we conclude then? Karma? Or could it be that there is no divine intervention after all? I mean, why would God intervene in one situation and not in the other? Does God play favorites? There are many Christians who believe that salvation is via the grace of God alone. For these people, salvation is something predestined, predetermined. You're either scheduled to be saved or you're not. And therefore, no matter your good deeds, your best efforts to appease and satisfy the commandments and ways of the Lord, you may not be saved after all. It all depends on whether you are a chosen one or not. The mysteries of life are many, but none more complex than sorting out the matters of man and God. For this reason, it's easy to dismiss the notion of any divine being on the basis that none of it makes any sense in a logical, rational world, at least to those supposedly who have learned to think and question. I well remember being effectively excommunicated from the faith of my youth. Why? Because I questioned. 
I was a seminary student in high school living in Utah, where it was permissible to attend seminary during high school hours. I walked across a small bridge that separated the seminary building from the rest of the high school. When it came to grade time, I received a glowing F. I took this grade to the principal of the high school and protested. I had A's on all my papers and examinations. Why the F? The seminary president and my seminary instructor joined us in the principal's office, where I was informed that I was a, quote, disturbing influence, close quote. And that's why the grade. I argued and finally was instructed that I could have my A if I never returned to seminary. I accepted the A and left, never to return. Are questions really so threatening? If a teenager can stump the missionary's best, then what does that say about the religion? I suppose, to be fair, there is also that old saying about one rotten apple. I must have been very rotten in their eyes. I have lived my life asking questions. I have learned that the questions I don't ask, well, that's the one that will get me every time. I've also learned that many questions must be lived into before they can be answered. That is, no amount of future thinking adequately prepares you for everything you will encounter in life, how you will naturally react, and so forth. Regardless of the fancy ideas about how you believe you would respond, the metal you are made of is often undiscovered until called upon. I've also learned that a question unanswered is only a pause in the promise of life to come. Still, when there are no more questions, life has ended. If not literally, as with death, it's ended nevertheless because only our most earnest inquiries fire the furnace in our bosom, warming our beings with purpose. Without purpose, there is no meaning. Without meaning, there is no reason to think of ourselves as anything other than an organism struggling for survival. Does God intervene? Is there a God at all? Are we but cells in the body of one larger something, units of information exchanging our experiences, feelings, thoughts, and so forth, as packets sent up the chain to some larger one cell? These are among the types of questions that lead to meaning and therefore purpose. Though they may never truly be answered, it is the livelihood and vitality of our existence that begs for answers. And it is from my experience that I say, little by little we learn, life is revealed, the curtain is turned back, and the fog thins out before us. Our very real learning occurs when we ask meaningful questions. My thoughts anyway, what are yours, Ravinder? Well, you certainly covered a lot in that section. I enjoyed your glowing F that you received from your seminary class. <laughs> what a positive way to put that. Um, and then, of course, it is really sad when you get your A, but you're told never to come back. I mean, that is just heartbreaking, especially as parents, too, because you think about, you know, our kids are going through school and, you know, they have some of the, the same kinds of issues and you just hope that they're not encountering some of that closed-minded 
attitudes. Uh, your argument about, you know, always asking questions, the questions being important, you know, of course, it's a really important question. Does God intervene? That's a really deep one that goes on and on. But one of the things I have learned recently is also the importance of questioning yourself. I think we get caught up with ideas that we hold there old habits, uh, they come from, you know, the circles that we move in, the entertainment that we consume. And so we think we know ourselves, but I'm learning more and more, you know, I have to, I question everything. Why do I think that? Why am I, why am I doing that? Is that really what I believe? So yeah, there, it's a, it's very much a constant process, but I think it's, absolutely vital especially today because we pride ourselves on rising above the herd but that's not what I'm seeing I'm just seeing the herds shifting and changing and more and more people are burying their heads in the sand within their particular herd yeah well there are fragments in the herd I don't disagree with it I I do think that your your point is well taken uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the most important question I ask myself every day is, "What if, what if I'm wrong about everything that I think exactly. I I know?" What, yeah. You know, and and by having that kind of openness, hopefully, we you know continue to grow, we continue to learn, and uh, so again, to me, you know, it is the questioning process that is the fuel of of the vitality we bring to life. So. All right. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week our show featured Dr. Scott Kobaba, and we discussed his marvelous new book, Physicians Untold Stories. Louise wrote, what an inspirational show. I ordered his book right away. Andrew wrote, what an inspirational show. I wish more doctors would share their faith and experience. Medicine would be better for it. We received several letters that they, you know, the beginning, the first sentence was, what an inspirational show. Uh Tyler wrote, Kobaba's book details that there is something out there or inside us that helps us or guides us. The book doesn't lay claim to this influence, being God or Jesus or anything else just that there is something else out there. We don't know enough about the subconscious to say that it is or isn't behind all these miraculous stories, only that these experiences happen and have been documented by scientists. Richard wrote, okay, so a guy like me accepts that this stuff happens sometimes, sometimes, once in a while. Why not more? What does this all mean in the big picture? That's the kind of question to pursue, Richard. Tammy wrote, great show, loved it. I often have wondered if doctors do this. Dr. Kolbaba wrote, Ellen, you're a great interviewer. Thanks for sharing your heart with your audience and me. I think we are in the same business. I would be privileged to call you a fellow sappy (laughs) do-gooder. Well, I am honored to be called a sappy do-gooder. Thank you, Dr. Kolbaba. Moving on, Jacqueline wrote, Dear Eldon, I enjoy catching up with your podcast on my long card rides. You truly challenge me to think differently and openly. I listened in anticipation to your interview with Dr. David Lowe and found myself sadly disappointed with him when you prompted him on the pre-election stress and the then-recent revelations of DNC scams, emails, and sabotage tactics Dr. Lowe's response was, it's par for the course. 
So what he's suggesting is that everyone is doing it, therefore it's okay. Since it's so widely accepted, we shouldn't consider it when casting our vote. I was truly disturbed by his brushing off of some serious allegations and realized, as enlightened as he may think he is, he is apparently caught in the web of lies and distortions you warn about in your book, Gotcha. I suggest you give him a copy. (laughs) Kelly wrote, your book, What If? This is my favorite book of all time. Well, thanks, Kelly. It's not an easy read uh, for many because it's full of thought experiments that tend to illustrate our own biases and failure in thinking. Michael wrote, hello. We are a great fan since we have been to two of Eldon Taylor's workshops. We have read several of his books and used some of his inner talk and hypnosis programs. Your work and products are amazing. Thank you for outstanding products and wonderful service. Well, thank you very much, Michael. We like that, don't we, Rav? We do indeed. All right. That's all the time we're going to take for letters today. But I do invite you to opine by emailing me at Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at EldonTaylor.com, or by joining me on Facebook. We sincerely appreciate your comments and feedback. Now to this week's show, A Blueprint for Holistic Healing with Dr. C. Norman Sheely. Now, Dr. Sheely is a regular guest and a favorite of mine, but for those of you unfamiliar with his work, let me tell you a little about him. Norman Sheely, MD, PhD, is founder and CEO of International Institute of Holistic Medicine, president of Sheely Wellness, LLC, and Holos Energy Medicine Education, and president of International Institute of Holistic Health. He is editor of the Journal of Comprehensive Alternative Medicine, He was founding president of the American Holistic Medical Association in 1978. He was founding president of Holos University Graduate Seminary and is now Professor Emeritus of Energy Medicine. He has published 34 books and over 300 articles. Dr. Sheely's innovations include dorsal column stimulation, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, TENS, something I use just today, the Rejuven Matrix for Rejuvenating Telomeres, and Transcutaneous Acupuncture, which has now also been shown to rejuvenate telomeres for healthy longevity. His clinical work includes comprehensive holistic management of pain, depression, anxiety, and cardiovascular problems. His latest book is Blueprint for Holistic Healing, and that's the subject of today's show. So on that, let's get him in here. Welcome back to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Norman Sheely. Great to be with you, Eldon. It's always a pleasure to have you, sir. Your work as a medical doctor, inventor, pioneer of alternative healing approaches and so forth has gained some worldwide fame for you. Indeed, I remember employing a TENS unit the first time over 30 years ago, and that's when I first became aware of you. What most people do not know about you is the depth of your personal spiritual adventure in this lifetime. So that said, You open your new book with an acknowledgement that begins with your first out-of-body experience. So let's begin today, if you don't mind, with that story. What happened, and how did that experience guide your life? (laughs) Well, I was at a a meeting in Virginia Beach, and there was a harp concert. Now, I I heard harp music, but I'd never been in a live one before. And all of a sudden, the harp music began, and I'll... And I'm up on the ceiling looking down at 200 people below me. I mean, that was a bit shocking. It, You know, it was the first time it ever happened. 
I can say that truthfully, that opened my my mind to the broader field of the universe uh, and and what I would call philosophy 501, which you were doing there at the beginning of the program today. It certainly makes you think about the meaning of everything. But I can say that my intuition has been remarkably broader and more open since then. All right, you heard today's spotlight. What are your thoughts on divine intervention? Does God play favorites or no. what? No, I don't think so. I think, obviously, I believe there is this universal force that we call God, and sometimes miracles happen. Uh, and whether it is something you've done, you deserve, I don't know, but there are certain healers who can do that. And I've studied a number of them. And I've got about 150 cases where we can demonstrate that a healer from a distance at least 1,000 miles away can change your electroencephalogram within seconds. Now, the fact that they can send an energy from Ottawa, Canada to Springfield, Missouri, and change your EEG or New Jersey to Springfield or whatever, to me is, is about as miraculous as anything I can imagine, and yet it happens. It doesn't always need healing even then, but it does suggest that there is this power, this energy, and I, I believe this is something called scalar energy, by the way. Uh, scalar energy, of course, I, 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 when you say you believe there is something like that, I didn't know that it was even in doubt. Uh, I no, I, th- I believe that the spiritual healing energy is part of the scalar uh, field. Oh, I see. So it's like a scalar waveform. Exactly. If that were the case, you theoretically could upload it on, you know, uh, another transmission means, a radio wave, a microwave, etc., and send it anywhere in the universe. Well, I think if you had the proper physics equipment, you could do it. You, you haven't experimented with that one yet, I take it, Doc? No. What we're looking, we're actually beginning in a couple of weeks an experiment where we are measuring adrenomedulin. Adrenomedulin may be the single most important hormone in your body. Mm-hmm. And ordinarily, it goes up with age. And the higher it is, the more, well, wear and tear you've got in your body. Right. So we are going to experiment with 50 people sitting in a room filled with scalar energy nine hours a week for four weeks and see if it reduces adrenomedulin. So, so are you, I mean, when you say filled with scalar energy, you're using some kind of scalar antenna and driving some, exactly. uh, modulating some to, frequency through a computer into that antenna and then into the room? Yes, the whole room is filled with scalar energy, and we're already exploring it and playing with it, and most people feel a difference, a, a, a certain kind of odd tingling when they're in the presence of the scalar energy. Now, several years ago, we're kind of off on a subject here, but since I've got the expert right here, several years ago, Benvenisti started filing patents on frequencies that were replications of the, you know, the signature frequency of, say, penicillin, with the theory that you could transmit just the frequency and you would have the effect of the drug. Um... You're familiar with that, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. You know, Dr. Bill Tiller's done a lot of work on that in this country, not with drugs so much, 
but with uh, electronic devices uh, treating autism, for instance, and things like that, yes. Yeah, we had Bill Tiller on the show not long ago and talked a little bit about this. So you're, you're, have you identified the frequency that you're going to use in the scalar field? Well, I, I, let's say I borrowed it from a physicist who created it. You borrowed it from a physicist. Okay. Do you, do you, are you familiar with Little Farm Research? A bit. Okay. So it, it isn't a frequency that they've, they've cataloged? No. Okay. All right. Well, and you're not going to tell me what the frequency is on the air. I'm sure of that. So let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it, I once it's not asked, mine, so I can't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I said it's not mine, so I can't. Okay. I once asked you how much of your work was channeled from somewhere beyond yourself, and you responded by informing us that all of it was guided. Why do you think that? And has the guidance ever been wrong, Dr. Sheely? Not that I know of. Uh, I have five patents, Eldon, every one of which came from what I would call direct channeled information. Mm-hmm. And um, and they, they've always been accurate when that happens. Okay, I guess my question would go more towards... You've set up several experiments. You, you've got this new scalar experiment. You set these things up, but you already know the answer going in. If, <laughs> if I got that right? Well, I think I know the answer, but I'd like to prove it, yes. Okay, all right. So you, you, you set up the experiment to verify information that you've already received, right? Exactly. All right, now I have to play devil's advocate. How do you make certain that you don't allow your bias to influence the outcome? Well, uh, I don't believe that I could, that I personally could change somebody's adrenal medulin blood level. So if my theory is correct and the adrenal medulin goes down, that will validate the theory. All right. So you, 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 we're not taking an extra safeguard, subtracting you from the experimental design or, you know, the, making certain that the subjects inside the experimental design have been distracted and think that perhaps, you know, you're, you're, you're changing something else in their body. You're increasing their cognitive abilities or something. We're, you're not doing anything like that? No. There, there's no, well, I, I think this is a bit too big for placebo, in my opinion. Okay. Well, I'll pass your power there, Doc. All right. Staying with this theme for a bit, you also acknowledge in your new book that you were aware of past lives, several of which you're not proud of. Now, I, that, that one kind of surprised me. Flesh that out for us, will you, specifically? Well, What lives you know, are you not so proud of? Well, I was a brother, if you will, companion with St. Francis of Assisi. And I've known that one for over 30 years. And I have met the reincarnated St. Francis, who recognized me in a crowd once. And he is reincarnated. So, to me... That was one of what I would call my best lives. I, I think I was more purified, if you will, in that life than any I could think of. And yet, several hundred years ago, 
I was an obnoxious SOB, about as bad as Saddam Hussein. And I, I don't understand how I could have done that. And yet, in, in 1995, a man came down to visit me, and he told me he had hot hands. And I said, okay, show them to me, because I've seen healers whose hands literally were hot. Mm-hmm. And he put his hands on my neck and jerked my neck 180 degrees in both directions and dislocated my spine and paralyzed me. Now, when it happened, I knew that's karmic. My first thought was I must have cut off his head in a previous life. Fortunately, because of an outstanding neurosurgeon, I was operated upon, and and I'm walking again. My legs are not perfect, but at least I'm happy to be walking. And eventually, I got the full story of that particular life where I had this man murdered because he wanted to take over my power. Now, I, 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 you know, I, I never discussed this on, with the public because I'm a pretty nice guy in this life and my last two before this. So I don't like to think that I could ever possibly have been or ever be again uh, harmful to anybody. You know, we've got a hard break. I want to come back and pick that up because you're right. You are as nice a person and as as generous a person as as I've ever met in my lifetime. We're speaking with Dr. Norman Sheely about his life and book, Blueprint for Holistic Healing. It's a great read. You can learn more about our guest by visiting his website at normsheely, that's S-H-E-A-L-Y dot com. Now, we have a video for you in our chat room today featuring our guest discussing the advantages of bouncing for health. You you want to see this. You can view it by joining in the chat room, and you can do that by simply going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do please stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High Is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor.
have a guardian angel on high with nothing to do but to give to you and to give to me Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're chatting with Dr. Norman Sheely about his life and book, Blueprint for Holistic Healing. You can learn more about our guest by visiting his website at normsheely.com. Now, by now, you know we ask our guests for their favorite music, music that has some true significance to them. And you know that music psychology is a new interest of mine, and it's a field of research with practical relevance in many areas. So, we just played some of True Love performed by Grace Kelly and Bing Crosby. Why is this music important to you, Dr. Sheely, and how does it instruct us about who you are? Well, the most important person in this life was my wife, Mary Charlotte. And that music was something that we heard together in in the early days of our relationship. So, uh Somehow, it, it, it still brings tears to my eyes. You know, you've been a guest on this show several times. And you always give me the same music. And you're the <laughs> only person that does that. Everybody else alternates their music, you know. <laughs> and they always have a different story. Well, um, a, a favorite is a favorite to me. You can't, uh, you can't, it, it, it's either that or it isn't. <laughs> Yeah, and this one, of course, I th- I thoroughly understand. Um, you know, you uh, your relationship with your wife was very, very special. I have to ask you this now. Uh, the late Wayne Dyer indicated that, um, you know, he was Francis Assisi, uh, St. Francis Assisi, uh, in a prior life. The individual that you met that was your brother was at Wayne Dyer. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, do you know Kevin Ryerson? I do. Well, Kevin identifies uh, the reincarnated St. Francis as uh, Peter Hudoba, H-U-D-O-B-A, mm-hmm. a neurosurgeon in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, so... You know, unless there were two souls uh, in making St. Francis. And that's another interesting philosophy. There are psychic, intuitive people who believe that the great souls like that may require two or three entities to, to make them. So I'm not saying that Wayne wasn't St. Francis. All I know is that um, Kevin says that Peter Udova was. So it wasn't... Wayne that you met as your brother. That, that's really my that question. That is correct. Okay. Like you, one of my earliest exposures to the world of psychic healers was Edgar Casey. Your new book is published by Casey's ARE. What influence has Casey's readings had on your work, Doctor? Well, it was at my first visit to the ARE, the Edgar Casey Foundation, in the fall of 1972, where I had that out-of-body experience, where I also had my first past life experience, uh, where I got introduced to biofeedback and autogenic training. And so I've actually been back to Virginia Beach all but one year ever since 
the opening of my my psyche. So if you search the libraries, I mean, for years and years, I was a member of uh, of the ARE and you had access to their libraries. And a lot of my research at the time, I would I would, you know, look at what Casey's readings were in some areas. Have you have you done any? Uh, I mean, I guess this is a twofold question. Has any of Casey's readings inspired your work? And have you, you know, looked at Casey's readings and tried to verify any? I guess the, 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 the most important one from a practical point of view has been the use of castor oil on the surface of the body. I learned about castor oil packs at that first visit in 1972. And that winter... We had a horse who got a, a wire cut around just above the hoof. The veterinarian mm-hmm. said it would never heal it. We should put the horse down. So we treated it with a castor oil pack, and, of course, it healed. And so uh, of all the things, and there are many, many, of course, uh, almost 15,000 of his readings. Right. But the castor oil packs remain one of my favorites. Now, from that, I developed a castor oil bath where you soak in a, in a bathtub full of hot water with a cup of castor oil and a castor oil suit where you can cover your whole body with castor oil after the bath and put on a sweatsuit and sleep in it. I'd say it's the strongest immune enhancer that I know. Casey's readings to this day, in my opinion, uh they're a lexicon of alternative methods for healing, um, and and they're preserved, thank goodness, and and uh, and available to most anyone. I, I, what have you done with your own research? Now, I mean, the castor oil bath you just told me about. I've known you for years, known who you were for longer than that. I've read your books. That that that's a brand new one on me. I, I mean, I've been through your website. Have you done something to catalog all of this? <laughs> you know, the most interesting thing that has happened. I looked for forty years to find a physician that I trusted to take over my work, and I gave up. I interviewed a hundred physicians, and none of them had the personality. A year and a half ago, I met another Franciscan brother. Uh, Dr. Sergei Sorin. He's exactly half my age. I'm 84, he's 42. And we knew one another. When we when I walked in the room and met him, I knew him. And he has been confirmed by Kevin Ryerson as another of the close companions of St. Francis. And the reincarnated St. Francis, Peter Gudova, has agreed with me. He has joined me, and so in Instead of just cataloging, of course, I've written hundreds of articles and that sort of thing, as well as books. But the most important thing is I have a physician that I'm training and working with and, and endure and, you know, just ecstatically happy to have met who will carry on my work. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, and I mean, as one of the people that uh, follows your work closely and has used your work for my own uh, benefit, that uh, really pleases me. Your new book, Blueprint for Holistic Healing, to me is like volume one. You know, you need to be creating a volume two and a volume <laughs> three of these different techniques, these different uh 
tools that you use. Your website's pretty rich. You, you, you have a fair amount of information on your website. But I guess what I'm saying is, hey, Doc, get the rest of this written down, will you? <laughs> well, I'm certainly doing that gradually. Um, and we also have opened a holistic health coaching class. In other words, honestly, I believe that the average person needs a health coach rather than a physician, someone to guide them, teach them, and help them do it. And so we gave our first class in that with 12 students in September. Tomorrow I'm leaving for Mexico where I'm doing a class with 14 or 15 people, and we'll be doing another one in in, uh, Springfield. So we are, in addition to having the the clinic here with Sergei, carry it on uh we are training coaches and my 35th book will be out in the spring called a physician's encounter with heaven great i look forward to bringing you back to the show and talking about that one make sure i get a copy will you sir of course let me i i have to ask this because you know we live in a society where licensure hovers over the top of all of us um you're creating health coaches. How's that going to be received by the medical community? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, well, <laughs> I guess you could say I have never particularly worried about how the medical community accepts or not. I will tell you that in June, the our local Green County Medical Society called and asked me to be the editor of their journal for August and to write six articles on holistic medicine. So I would say they are remarkably open. In the past, you you have been singled out by the FDA. Um, what, what is it like to be you know, a pioneer of holistic health care with the background that you have, as many years as you've been in it. I mean, today, there, as you just indicated, there are more and more people that are receptive to alternative, integrative methods, which you prefer to call holistic as opposed to integrative. And I'll get to that in a second. But what's it like to have fought that battle to where you are now? Well, you know, I, I learned... And, and, and it's something that I learned shortly after my visit to the Education Foundation in 1972. If I think I can change something, I put a lot of energy into it. If I do not believe that I can make a change, I, 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 I what I call detach. My favorite word in the entire language is detach from those things that I cannot change. So rather than uh, getting angry, uh, agitated, anxious, etc. I just take a deep breath and basically I say, okay, who cares? And let it go. Good for you. All right. I suggested this one. So tell us what you mean by holism and why that over-integrative. Holism essentially was created in 1929 by Jan Smut the Prime Minister of South Africa. He wrote a magnificent book called Holism and Evolution. And he integrated everything right up through quantum physics of the day 
into his concept of holism, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And what I realized as I began moving out of the box, so to speak, is that the one thing missing totally from conventional medicine is the soul. Now, uh, I have never questioned the, the existence of this entity that I am being not my physical body, not my brain, not my mind. There is a part of me that I call the soul. And, and I think I've understood that since I was a young child. And if we don't pay attention to that, we're not really looking at the whole person. So to me, holism must include body, and it must include mind, and it must include soul. And that, of course, is the, the soul is, to me, what connects us with God. Okay. I have to ask you this question just because... One of our listeners uh, asked me before we got on the show, why holism with an H instead of a WH? As in because whole? the word comes from the Greek word, H-O-L-O-S, holos. And uh, to me, it's revering it in the, in the sense that it, it's much more ancient than the word W-H-O-L-E. And so that, too, is why Holos University. Yes. Okay, great. What's, you know, the major problem with conventional medicine, then, as you see it? Is it the absence of, uh, of the soul, the spiritual aspect of the human being? Or is it, uh, could it possibly be the fact that everything has to fit in a paradigm? Well, I think it's both of, it, it, it's both of those. And... To me, the other thing, and this, this I noticed back in my neurosurgical residency in the 1950s, we were doing things that don't make rational sense. Neurosurgeons, starting in the 1920s, were actually destroying the front half of the spinal cord called a chordotomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, my late, in the late 50s, when I was in my neurosurgical residency, we took a piece of a razor blade in the operating room and, and cut the front half of the spinal cord, called a chordotomy. It worked 80% of the time to relieve pain, but it had 130% complications. That is, uh, paralysis of the opposite leg, 10%, paralysis of bladder and bowel, uh, a new pain worse than they started with 30, uh, 10% of the time, and then 100% never have another sexual orgasm. Right. So I was already, by the time I finished my residency in 1963, wondering, you know, why are we doing this? And then when I discovered dorsal column stimulation and TENS, or transcase electrical nerve, all of a sudden I got 400 patients a year sent to me for the dorsal column procedure. But they were so damaged from opium and Valium and five to six unsuccessful operations that I would not even do the dorsal column stimulation. So I said, somebody's got to find a way to do this. You know, we've got to, to look at what, what can you do when medicine fails. And so that was the beginning of my approach to, to holism. Now, in a That's what illness, I mean by the paradigm. I mean, the paradigm exactly. is, is, is Medicaid or cut. Exactly. And 
in acute situations, I think American medicine is good. When it comes to chronic situations, I honestly think American medicine is extremely poor. Hi, let's take one of the most common diseases, hypertension. Forty percent of American adults have high blood pressure. They, there's a dozen or more drugs used for it. The average hypertensive patient winds up with three drugs. Forty-five percent of them get their blood pressure controlled. That's not very good. That's not much better than placebo. But 100 percent of them have complications. The number one complication is fatigue. Virtually every one of them. And if you're a male, it's erectile dysfunction. I don't. I I can control high blood pressure 99.8 percent of the time safely with increased energy without a drug. All right, Doc. The cells of the body were shown to survive, multiply, divide, whatnot, 144 years. How realistic is it, you know, do you think for all of us to start setting some kind of a ceiling that we should expect ourselves to be healthy and well till what age? And then what would be the essentials that we would need to incorporate in our lives in order to reach that ceiling? Well, for the last 10 years, I have believed that average life expectancy should be 140, plus or minus 20 for accidents and genetics. So in order to do that, all you've got to do is keep your body weight normal, that is a body mass index 18 to 24, not smoke, eat a minimum of five or more servings of fruits and vegetables a day, exercise 30 minutes, five days a week. That will get you, on average, to at least 100. Beyond that, at the moment, the only thing I can be certain of that will rejuvenate you beyond that is to stimulate three circuits in the body, which which I call fire, earth, and crystal. The fire, earth, and crystal together, and we've got 50 people now where we've demonstrated this, will regrow or regenerate your telomeres, the tips of your DNA, 3.5% every year. My telomeres are now 35 young years younger than my body, which is 84 years old. You, um, you have a product that you use, an oil that you use for that, I know, because I use that oil. Uh, tell everybody about those oils, will you? Yes, I started with using electricity because we know that human DNA has a frequency of 52 to 78 billion cycles a second. So putting in a billionth of a watt of those, but it takes it would take you one hour a day to do it with electricity. So five and a half years ago, I said, hey, we got to find a way to do this simpler. So that's where my intuition came in. All of a sudden, just like that, I said, we got to be able to do it with essential oils. So intuitively, I put together the proper blend of oils for first for raising oxytocin. That was the one I was most interested in at the moment, the bonding hormone. And lo and behold, in 30 seconds, instead of uh, 20 minutes, I could stimulate the ring of air or any one of my, my various special circuits. So very quickly, over the next couple of months, I created blends of oils specifically for fire, 
earth and crystal because those are the circuits that are useful for longevity. And uh, each of them is different, but I've got hundreds of people using them, and I've got 50 people where we've actually done the research and proved that the telomeres regrow not just 1%, stopping the 1% shrinkage, but actually regrow 3.5%. And our listening audience, uh, we're about out of time, but our listening audience would be able to learn more about this and uh, even obtain uh, these oils? How, Doc? Yeah, they're on my website. There's a, a link there to what I call sacred rings, and I call them that because they were given to me by my angelic guide. And I consider that part of the sacred. Okay. Uh, your book, Blueprint for Holistic Healing. How do, how do our listeners get a copy of the book, and what should they expect when they read it? Well, uh, it's available on Amazon, obviously. Uh, they can get it uh, at some bookstores. But what, what that begins to show you is, is a variety of non-drug approaches for some of the common disorders. And that's really why it was written, to show you the body, mind, and soul approach to healing. And it is a great book, and it is a reference book, and it's something we should all have in our libraries. If uh, if you want to, you know, look at life from a holistic standpoint, and I think uh, I'm, I'm sure our listening audience does. I don't think uh, any of those folks out there listening to this show consider themselves to just be some meat machine that evolved in you know, a cauldron of uh, chemical soup, as uh, some of the material reductionists would have us think today. Dr. Sheely, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show, and I want to thank you for your candidness and willingness to share your information with us. Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends, let's have them join us as well. Once again, the book is Blueprint for Holistic Healing by Dr. C. Norman Sheely. Get yourself a copy. All right. Until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.